0: In our adult Bible class, good to see you this morning. Those who are listening by electronic means, welcome to each one of you, and good to see you. And of course, our Sunday school classes are in place this morning, and so the children near the bus route ran today. You know, I want to encourage you, as you have been, to remember to pray for other churches. I've talked to two different pastors again this week, different pastors, and all churches are facing the same thing. And so, today my heart went out to the preachers who are east of us. I don't mean eastern Ohio. Because every preacher doesn't like it. When he looks out and sees snow coming on Sunday or Saturday night, he goes, every pastor goes, oh, no. Because Baptists don't like water and they don't like snow. And so my heart, we didn't, it started snowing in my house. I was getting nervous. I said, now, Lord, would you please stop that snow? You know, it stopped. I wish all my prayers were that quick. But it was just little tiny snowflakes. So it just it makes it difficult for people, people who have problems or whatever. So pray for pastors and churches across our nation as churches struggle with things and also for the weather this morning because it does. the weather does affect, it shouldn't, but it does. <clears throat> so I, when I watch the, the weather channel, think, oh, man, all the snow they're going to get. They just got bombarded last week with snow, a lot more than we got. So continue to pray for them. and. Pray for your own church and appreciate your prayers. And <clears throat> I said, I talked to two pastors. One pastor I talked to this week is not far from here. He said they have not been able to have Sunday night services. Still, matter of fact, two preachers. And I said, you know what I said to him? Well, come visit us on Sunday night. <laughs> and we've had a couple pastors do that. So I said, we have a couple other guys. Why don't you come to visit until you're able to get back on your feet, whatever? <clears throat> Genesis chapter twelve. Now, I mentioned that I'm going to continue this mini series on prayer, so I'm going to just get right into it today. I'm not going to repeat things I've said before. Genesis chapter 12. We'll be getting there in just a moment. The question I want us to think about today will be in this passage, but we'll get there in a moment. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, we all would say, no. We say the words, but. Do we sometimes not really believe it? We're kind of like that poor guy in the New Testament that said this to Jesus. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now, I don't know if he was 75% believing, 25% not, but he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I think we're like that, aren't we? We say, Lord, I do believe, but help that little of unbelief that bothers me. So the question is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, we know that, and we agree with that. But that's for somebody else, not for us. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, this person's got a real serious problem. Nothing's too hard for the Lord for them. But when you got one, is anything too, anything too hard for the Lord? Well, not really, but I'm not sure it's going to work out for me. There's no promise too hard for God to fulfill. There's no problem too hard for God to solve. There's no place where God can't send a revival There's no person too hard for God to save. You know, only three times in the Bible does it say the Lord appeared to Abraham. We're talking Old Testament, we're talking Genesis. He appeared to Abraham to reveal his power. We're talking about prayer today. The first appearance is in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 6 is this expression. The Canaanite, that was their enemy, was then in the land... Now, just before that, God's word says there that he has made them a promise to give them the land. Look at verse 7. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Now, God was saying, and I'm reading between the lines, it doesn't matter if the Canaanites are there. Are you following me? It doesn't matter if the Canaanites are there. It doesn't matter how strong they are. It doesn't matter how many of them there are. Or how long they've been there, or how warlike they are, because they were. God said, "You know what? This, this is my word. That don't mean nothing to God." And God said, "Okay, now I'm going to promise you this land." And the people are thinking, because they're people like you and me. Now the Canaanites are there. It's a problem. <clears throat> is anything too hard for the Lord? Say, well, no, not for these people, because we're not living it. They were living it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? How God was going to do it, we we help God figure things out, don't we? Now, how God's going to get these people out of here, why worry about stuff? If God said and he promised it, why try to figure it out? He'll take care of it. I know he's a little bit bigger than you or me and definitely more powerful, so he'll work it out. And I'm sure some of those people thought, well, how's he going to do this? God does not have to reveal his plan of action. We think he does, but he don't. We just have to believe his promise. He promised them you're going to get the land, and guess what? In God's time, they got the land. And so I think the principle applies to us. We need that revelation. We need to know that God is powerful. We limit God. There are many instances in the Bible where it says they turned back and they limited the God of Israel. We limit God in thinking he's not powerful enough. We know he's more powerful than us, but we forget how powerful he really is. We're living in a strange age. I think you all would agree. Many are talking themselves into a state of despondency and discouragement. <clears throat> Can I say this? And will you receive it, the spirit which is given? If all you do is to home a day and watch television, you're going to be discouraged. Unless you're watching Hogan Hero or Henry Griffith, that might be better. Because the news media, all, boom, boom, every little thing, boom, 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 and you, you'll go nuts. <clears throat> and so if we're not careful, we can become despondent or discouraged. I'm talking to God's people. I didn't say throw your television away. How are you going to watch the Super Bowl tonight if you throw your TV away? Or watch Andy Griffith or Hogan's Heroes. You can't if you throw the TV away, but I'm saying be careful. And stuff on your phone if you have a smartphone, even if we think we're dumb. My phone does more stuff than I know what to do. But what I do know to do is some of I see that stuff, too, on the news. I said, oh, man. Has anybody put any positive stuff on there? Very seldom. Oh, once in a while, somebody rescues an otter, a sea otter. Now, that's important, but that's not eternal. <clears throat> we talked today about the strength of liberalism and modernism and how it's growing as far as churches are concerned, and, and morally and also politically. We talk about the downfall of schools and modernism and liberalism in these institutions of learning. We talk about the coldness of Christians. I don't mean they're physically cold. As someone said, some are cold, some are chosen, some are cold, and a few are frozen. We certainly don't want to go to the church where it's the Church of the Frozen, Jack Frost is the pastor. That's not good. We also talk about drugs and alcohol and sex and how these are affecting America, and they are, and they have been. I think part of that started when I was in high school. They had sex education, like, right in school. I remember it, I'm thinking... I don't think this is the place for it, but that's neither here nor there. So look at look what we've got now. We've got all kinds of sexual problems, diseases. Now, can you blame it all on the school? I don't know about all of it, but it certainly throw a good portion their way. And then we gave out condoms in school. I'm talking to adults now. That encourages them. Next, <clears throat> what I'm saying is anything too hard for the Lord? Oh, is it? I don't think so. And you would agree, but practically we don't believe it. All these things are true, but they don't affect God. They do affect us, don't they? If you've got half a brain, and I'm looking at you, you all do, you're intelligent people, it does affect you if you're not careful. It doesn't affect God. He's all-powerful. He's not powerful, he's all-powerful. Nobody's more powerful than him. Even the people in that place called Washington, D.C., and the United Nations building and all those, God's more powerful than them. You remember when John said, <clears throat> at 1 John, greater is he is in you than he that's in the world? We know that to be true, but do we believe that either? What I'm saying, these things don't affect God. They don't affect God's power. We think it does. We say, God, why don't you do something? I've said it a couple times myself. <clears throat> now, Lord, why don't you do something about this? Of course, I get no answer. God does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He doesn't have to have our approval, okay, or tell us. We need to understand that, but he's still powerful. God is not limited. You know, we limit God many times. We're talking about prayer. Well, I'm not going to pray about that because nothing will happen. Blessed is the man who expecteth nothing, he shall not be disappointed. You remember a a guy in the Old Testament called Elisha? Elisha, one day, if you go back and read that, you read your Bible through this year. Elijah was one day plowing with the field of oxen when Elijah, his mentor, if you will, came along. And Elisha, of course, was called to be Elijah's successor. And one day, as you may follow the story, God was going to take Elijah home in a whirlwind. In a chariot, and I personally think the Lord was putting Elijah to the test because Elijah's going. Elijah said, "You know what? I'm going to go to Gilgal today, and you stay here." And Elisha said to him, "No way! If you're going, I'm going." And I'm paraphrasing. And so they, if you study the passage, they argued kind of back and forth. Elijah said, "You stay here, son." Elisha said. I ain't gonna do it. You're going there. Something's gonna happen today, and I'm gonna be there. And as you follow the story, remember, and may or may not remember the story, that God did God did that. But in the process, Elisha was asked by God, "What do you want me to do for you?" And he said, "I want to have a double portion of the spirit of Elijah." We're talking about is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, if you study your Bible carefully. You'll find that Elijah, the old man, had at least seven recorded miracles in the Bible. And Elisha said, I want you to double bless me as you did Elijah. Guess how many miracles are recorded in the Bible of Elisha? Uh, I went to public school. Seven times two is 14, I think. There are 14 recorded miracles of Elisha, so God answered his prayer. What I'm saying is, God's power is not limited. And if you ask me... You don't have to ask me. Elisha was really praying, if we could, because prayer is communication to God. We think, oh, you got to bow your knees, fold your hands, close your eyes, bow your head. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But prayer is simply talking to God. And in prayer, in its very simplest form, is asking and receiving. And so, if you ask me, Elisha was praying and he wasn't limiting God. You give this guy seven miracles, I want to have double. And you know what? What about that verse that we studied last week? James said, You have not because you ask not. So he asked, and guess what? God gave him exactly what he wanted. Do you think after he reflected on all that, as years passed by, he kind of thought, Well, this is cool. Because God didn't answer it like the next day, it was through his ministry. So he didn't limit God. and limits God's power. God's all-powerful. And so we need to understand that in our own personal life as well as the examples of the Word of God. We need to believe God is not limited. We look at circumstances, don't we? And that's somewhat natural. We're human beings. God is not limited or affected by circumstances. We are. We're supposed to be trusting in him and realize he's all-powerful. God's not bound by the fact that there's modernism and compromise and coldness and deadness everywhere. I'm talking about spiritually. He's still the God of infinite power. So at that time there in Genesis 12, he revealed, I think, to Abraham his power. We also read another place, God says, I am the Lord, I change not. In Hebrews 13, we read Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Also, God appeared to Abraham to reveal his sufficiency. That is God's sufficiency. In chapter 17 of Genesis, and verse 1, he appeared to Abraham when he was 99 years old. Now, nobody in this church is 99. Now, some of you might say, I feel like 99. But you aren't 99 Highlight like this one. And you, none of you look like you're 99. Isn't that good? Oh, it's being politically correct. I think I could say respectfully, if you're 99, you old. And nobody in this church is close to it. I know we're all going that direction, including myself. But here he is, 99. Think about yourself being 99. So I can't even think that far ahead. Me neither. God says, you know what? You're going to have a son. I don't know about you, but I think I don't even want one now. And I'm far from 99. I don't know about you. Someone wisely said, it's not a Bible verse. God gives children to young people. That's why grandparents could push them in the car and send them home to their mom and dad, right? So God said to him, he's 99, you know, you're going to have a child. A man-child. Now... That's where we get our verse, our, our our verse we read at the beginning, or our title to this lesson. In verse fourteen, there, chapter eighteen, is anything too hard for the Lord? Can God calls a ninety nine year old man? And I believe if I remember correctly, his wife is like maybe eight or ten years younger than him. Again, now some of you, precious ladies, might be in your eighties. Do you want to have a baby? I don't. I see three smiles. The rest of you. I don't think so. And physiologically, though I'm not a doctor, you're probably past childbearing days. You know, and so that was said of of my wife. Well, I'm past childbearing time. It's beyond. I'm beyond where I can have children. Really, she limited God. We're talking about prayer. As a matter of fact, as you go back and read this story, we're not... She even laughed. Now, I think if I was a woman when I was like in, her, in my 80s and I was told I was going to have a baby, I think I might laugh too. Wouldn't you? Isn't it strange that the son of was born is named Isaac? Do you know what Isaac means? He laugheth. <clears throat> so what his wife was saying, she was limiting God. But see, God made the promise. We're talking about the promises of God. And we're talking about prayer. We can claim the promises of God. And they're contained in the pages of this book. They had the audible promise from God. They didn't have the whole Bible like we do. We have an advantage on them. But God said you're going to have this child. Impossible. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. Guess what? The Bible says, when the time of life, which you know to be be approximately nine months. Yeah, I know about preemies. I, approximately nine months. Guess what? She had, as time went on, it wasn't immediately by the way, but when the time of life came, nine months, to have this child and to bear this child, she had the child just like God said. I wonder if she said to herself, I wish I wouldn't have left." I don't know. has similar things, maybe not extreme, happened to you and you say, I wish I would, I wish I would believe believed God. We've all done that. God helps us. Sometimes we don't even ask and he has mercy on us. He just helps us. We forget it. Now the thing is, she wanted a child, and her husband wanted a child. But I believe that God waited on purpose till they were all past, because it wouldn't be a miracle if she had a son when she was forty-five. Well, that's not whatever. It wouldn't be quite as good. Quite as I'm going to say it differently, it wouldn't be quite as a miracle if she had it forty-five, as she had it in her nineties. So I think God waited because God was going to show His power. He's not limited. Well, you're past the time, age of life, I'm not encouraging any of you ladies are 80, in your 80s to pray for children. If you want, that's your business. <clears throat> we do need more kids in the nursery, but I think we'll pray for the younger ones to do that. So we limit God in prayer. We all do. We don't mean to. It's not that we consciously, it's not that we consciously say, Oh, God, you can't do this, but I'm praying about it anyway because I'm supposed to. We don't talk that way. But we act that way, we think that way. I've had people tell me things, oh god, I got this problem, I got that problem. You know, it's it's so hard. And whatever it might be. Too hard for God? It might be too hard for me. I'll be glad to help if I can, but I can't solve every problem, meet every need. I'm a man like you, a person like you. But God can. So that's why we pray. That's the point. <clears throat> Let's pray that God will work in this situation, whatever it might be. Also, God appeared to Abraham to reveal that he was his friend. In chapter 18, again, of Genesis, it seems like God wanted Abraham to know he was his friend. In that chapter, he assured and encouraged him. Out of this chapter, again, comes that question, is anything too hard for the Lord? So that's our overriding question. And I want all of us to leave church this morning by God's grace, believing God. Forget what the news media says. at least put it to the side. Forget what everybody else says. What does God say? Now I'm not saying we're going to be praying to duplicate exactly what was done to Abraham, but you get the, the principle. That's why did God put this story in the Bible? For us in 2021. That's why as well as all the people before us. Today, many Christians are discouraged. <clears throat> good people, good even good believers are discouraged. Many leaders are discouraged. Many are, under, are like Elijah when he went under the juniper tree and said, Lord, just take my life. Now, if you will examine discouragement, you'll find that it usually comes when there's no reason for it. Let me give this illustration biblically. We've talked about Elijah, the old man. Why did Elijah say that? Do you realize what just happened before he said, God, kill me? You remember the story? Or maybe, let me refresh your memory, or maybe you're not familiar with it. There were 450 false prophets, and they were having a contest with Elijah. And they said, we're going to see who's really God. And so you may or may not remember the story that they built these altars and sacrifices and the prophets of Baal prayed until noon. There's about 450 of them. They prayed that, that their God would send fire and consume the sacrifice. And guess what? Nothing happened. Now, I personally think Elijah's laughing. I can't prove it, but I think I'd be laughing and I'd be saying, oh... What's wrong with your God? Is he asleep? I think even words were said something to that effect. And so Elijah prayed a very simple prayer. If I remember correctly, I think it was 63 words. Something like that. It wasn't one of these long-winded prayers. And guess what? The fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And the Bible says this. Elijah had put buckets of water all around it. And the Bible says... The fire came down, consumed the sacrifice, and licked up all the water. The God that enters by fire, he's the real God. So God proved himself. And he used Elijah and Elijah's prayer to do that. And guess what? They went out and killed the false prophets. Why? Because they were saying false stuff. We don't need to keep keep their things going. So they killed them all. Right, wrong, and indifferent, that's what happened. And so... Right after that great, I think, I think if that was like on Saturday, I think Sunday I'd be feeling pretty good, wouldn't you? Wow, this is really cool. That's a pretty significant prayer. That's a pretty significant happening. But it's right after that that Elijah <coughs> went in the wilderness of the tree and said, now, God, just kill me. Now, why was he discouraged? What I'm saying is sometimes there's no reason for it. Now, there are things that may cause us to feel discouraged a little bit, but Elijah, in his case... I think, he'd be, I think that would cure him for a week or two, don't you? Something good like that. Now that's me trying to understand him. And so, why would he get a persecution complex? Well, one woman talked about killing him. Well, if God took care of him, wasn't Elijah the guy that... I'm being facetious. Wasn't he the guy that was by the brook church that had dried up and God provided his food? And God provided water again to the widow woman. I think we heard a sermon from that on Pastor Rice. And so, and then he prays and God sends fire down. And now he says, go ahead and kill me. I don't want to be critical of Elijah because we're a lot like him. But what's wrong with this boy? He has limited God. One woman's mad at you. Any pastor can testify to that. Maybe one woman's mad. Maybe more than one. I don't know. I heard a preacher I didn't hear a preacher. He told me what his, says. He says, uh, Mark, he goes, you never get used to people being mad at you. So it goes for the territory. It's one of those occupational hazards. But yet, we sometimes have that attitude of Elijah, even Christian people. Now, I understand the people of the world, they don't have Christ. I don't know how they get up, to tell you the truth. I don't know how they get up bed in the morning. I don't mean Physically. Mentally, how do they get out of bed? How do they go to the work? How do they face a day without Christ? In God's word, the Holy Spirit, he is a comforter, isn't he not? It's one of his titles, comforter. How do they do it? I don't know. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer we know is resoundingly no. There's no promise too hard for God to fulfill. This Bible is full of promises. That's why you should read it every day. And when you come across a promise... Take, a big, take your pen, put a big P over that for promise and claim it. Sometime you might need it. God can, it doesn't matter how it looks, God can meet the need. Oh, it doesn't look good, this and that, the other thing. Is anything too hard for the Lord? God can meet the need. He's a, he's a way maker. <clears throat> now we do have to pray. We do have to claim the promises of God. But you know what? <clears throat> I can't do your praying for you. I can pray for you, and I will. If I commit you to you that I will, I will. But I can't do your praying for you. You have to do it yourself. And so you have to be familiar with the promises of God so you can claim them. Not demanding from God. <clears throat> but God, hears your word. Now I'm trusting in you to meet this need. There are so many thousands of promises in the word of God. And so you can claim them for yourself. Many of them, and we like the one that God says, "My God should supply all your need." Philippians four nineteen. We all like that one. And so there are many more besides that one. God wants His people to launch out in His promises. I like this verse in Numbers chapter twenty three and verse nineteen. It says this: "God is not a man that he should lie." So in other words, when God promises something, He comes through. But you have to claim it. Isn't it interesting how He says God is not a man that He should lie? That kind of says something, doesn't it? Man has a tendency to lie, don't they? Did you teach your children how to lie? He said no, they listen to their father. <laughs> yeah, I know. They just learn it. It's natural for men to lie. God is not a man. That he should lie. So he will p- fulfill his word and his pr- if he made a promise. All of you look at the adults. All of you have had people make you promises. As insignificant as I'll see you at four o'clock. And they don't show up. Four thirty, five o'clock, you're sitting there. So where are those bumps? I'm sure you don't say that. Say, Where's that guy? He's wasting my time. I'm a busy person. I, I told him I'd be here, he would be here. So you get on your cell phone, you text, and I say, oh, I forgot all about it, and you want to go. And so if you've done it to somebody, you know, it's like God always remembers his promises. God didn't say, oh, I forgot that one. I know I said I would supply your needs, but I kind of forgot that verse, that promise. He always remembers them. And he gave this, see, God is bound by his word. And so he gave it to us for many reasons. Yeah, we should read it, but he's bound by his word, so claim his promises. <clears throat> now, God sometimes says some things in the Bible not meant directly to you, to you or me, but he's never uttered one word that wasn't for us. That's why we, we have, there's a limit to the Bible in the sense of what's written. A lot of more things have happened than what contained in a book this small. It even said Jesus' ministry. All the things that he did in his three and a half years were not written down and recorded for us, Because they would, you couldn't carry around your Bible. So that means these things are very, very, very important. Everything is for you, maybe not to you, so you can learn from it. Read that Romans 15, verse 4 says this. They were written for our admonition. So for our learning and understanding. Now if I were to say to you, now... Tell me about prayer in your own life. Some of you might say, well, 10 years ago I had this problem and God helped me with that problem. And then some might say, well, 5 years ago I had this problem God helped me with that problem. That's all wonderful and great. But can I say you shouldn't have to go back that far. Now remember prayers, I'm not talking about prayers are important to the person praying them. That's why you pray it. It bothers you, it's a need or you have. I always jokingly say I pray for parking places at the hospital. And some lady in the church said to me, says, I pray for him too. I said, it's two of us. Something is really, I can survive when I go to a parking place. I can walk. But what I'm saying is, to me it might be important. Walmart, I hate to go in there and then some lady in front of me has $300 worth of groceries, a bad check and no credit card. You know what I'm saying? Go to the post office, there's 20,000 people out the line, out the door, and you have to stand six feet apart. And, you know, and there's one person working there who's ignorant. Sorry. Are you with me? So these things are important to us. And so they're important to you. To somebody else, I say, that doesn't mean to me, but it means something to the person. So God is not limited to circumstances again. So we need to get up from out under the juniper tree like Elijah because we can all tell stories how God has helped us in times past. What about in the last week or two, last month, last well, day? I think we could safely say the fact you got out of bed this morning and you got yourself here, I would say God answered your prayer whether you prayed or not. You're here. Thank you for coming. God bless you. But you're here. It's an answer to prayer. You're breathing. You're going. You're still here. <clears throat> There's no problem too hard for God to solve. Now, if you've lived any amount of time, and I'm looking at everybody, you have had problems. if you haven't, I want, even though it's COVID-19, I want to hug you because I'm hoping it's going to rub off on me. We've all had them. And guess what? You're going to have them until you die. And I say that not to be mean, but it's the truth. We think, oh, I had five problems, so I'm all set. I don't think so. And the problem's getting more complex but there's no problem too hard for God to solve. <clears throat> See, we internalize it. Oh, I got this problem. No, I don't know what to do about it. Uh, did you read that verse in James chapter 1? I think it's verse 17. Excuse me, 7. That's, a, that's not on my notes. I'm just off top of my head. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who giveth liberally? I pray that prayer every day. Honest, oh, it's on my list. I pray it every day. Now, God, give me wisdom for what I have to do today. I'm not worried about Tuesday. I'm worried about Monday. Today, I'm worried about Sunday. Give me wisdom for today. I prayed that this morning. That's a prayer. Whatever the problem would be or the need may be, God God can do it. You think of the people in the Bible who are our examples. They're written for our examples as well as our admonition, who got in tough spots. How about Gideon? You think Gideon was in a tough spot? Yes, he was. How about Abraham? You think he was in a tough spot a time or two? I think so. How about Moses? You think he ever got in a tough spot? I think so. How about Paul? Do you ever think he got in a tough spot a bunch of times? If we attempt something for God, attempt to live for God, there are going to come times of crisis. By the way, a positive way to think about that, that's a good evidence that you're saved. I mean, if you just live anyway, you want to do what you want, have no consequences, no problems, it's a good question whether you really know I'm a savior or not, in my opinion. <clears throat> you're going to have crisis. Many people face a problem then come to believe that a problem is too great or too big. It is too big for you. So quit trying to figure it out. Ask him. Ask for wisdom. Why did he say that? Because he knows we need it. The bad thing about wisdom, in my understanding, is it dissipates over time. I would like to just have him screw off my head and put all I need into the rest of my life. Wouldn't you? I don't think I have a verse for that. I would like to believe it, but it's not true. It's it's maybe just momentary wisdom. It's temporary wisdom. i got to ask for it again. And again and again. In my case, every day, maybe your case, I don't know. But we need to remember if God's going to solve the problem, we need the need. We have to put first things first in our life. That's him. Remember in Matthew 6, 33, in his Sermon on the Mount, you know Jesus said to those guys? Seek ye first. <clears throat> first. That means there's nothing else in front of him. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So if we put him first and seek him first, that goes a long way to help us in what we're talking about this morning. There's no place where God can't send a revival. You know, we think of different places and we think of all kinds of things. When we have a revival here at the church, what we call revival services and we will have in October, Brother Sam Davison's coming, Lord willing. We, we do everything we could to plan and prepare for that. Advertising, to make people realize a good preacher's coming. And Sam Davison, he'd be pretty good. But you know what? He'll even tell you. He doesn't have revival in his pocket. He'll tell you that. He's a very, really a very humble man. <clears throat> we publicize it, we organize it, we do everything but sometimes agonize before God, sometimes, and claim His promises. <clears throat> and so God's the one that sends revival. It is not the preacher. Can God send revival to you know what the needs of a churches? you know what the need of churches in America are? Oh, they need the government to get off their back and quit giving them a hard time mm-hmm. and all this COVID stuff. <laughs> yeah, that may be true. That's not really the real need. You know what the real need is? Revival. Revival for survival—that's what we really need. That's spiritual. Yes, that other stuff may be hindrance and may be a problem, and it is. <clears throat> but we would need genuine, heartfelt revival. Well, God can't do that, really. I think you're in the wrong church then, because I believe He can. I don't mean just in October when Sam Davidson comes. He could—he could break it out. We always pray for revival. I always jokingly say we have guest preachers i'll say something like this to them well just just be at home preach you know whatever and i said we need you to stop by 12 or a little after i said but if revival breaks out that's fine too and they always laugh that's what isn't that what we're praying for i think mean, god send a revival on a sunday morning in february <clears throat> i think you can Let me go on here quickly. There's no place on this earth God can't send a revival. <clears throat> There's no place where God can't send a revival. Remember that verse in 2 Chronicles 7:14? If my if if means it may not happen, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then after they pray, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. We quote that verse, but <clears throat> It, prayer involved. So God can do it. We have to pray and believe. No person also is too hard for God to save. I've had people tell me this month I've been ordained for forty four years. The end of this month, I've had people tell me a lot of stuff in the last forty four years. More than one lady said, "Oh, my husband, he is a rascal," and I said, "Yeah, he is a rascal." He is, and then she say he'll never get saved. I'm saying don't say that, or my husband or my wife's a rascal. Can women be rascals? I think so. My wife's a rascal. So, yeah, she is. I agree with him. God can't save him. Really. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Are you with me? We're talking about prayer. We're talking about limiting God. We're talking about is anything too hard for Him? Is anybody too hard for God to save? If we would look at the Bible for example, perhaps a glaring example of what I just talked about would be the Apostle Paul. What likelihood is it the Apostle Paul would be saved? Now, we know he did get saved, and we understand all that. And God used him to write the New Testament, a great portion of it, and to preach and start churches. But from a human perspective... I'm not sure Paul's name is on the prayer list for salvation at the local Baptist church. Are you with me? Oh, even when it came out that Paul got saved, didn't the people still say, Christians say, well, I heard he was persecuting Christians. And I heard he was killing people. I heard he was taking people to jail. I heard he was doing all this stuff. It's true. But he stopped because he got saved. So the one he was fighting against, now he's preaching for. You follow me? So what I'm saying is, is anybody too hard for the Lord? I'm sure there were people, good people, who thought, old oh, Saul Tarsus, that boy will never get saved. So how do you, I don't know that to be a fact. I just know people. When I've heard people say stuff. I had a lady in my church in Rhode Island who said that to me one day. And she was a good lady. She's been saved for many years. She married a booger. Can I say it that way? And that guy, he was a booger. He was a pistol. He was a pain. He was a grouchy old man, to tell you the truth. And she said, oh, Pastor, I don't think Joe will ever be saved. And I I don't remember exactly what I said to her, but I'm sure I said, well, let's pray about it. To give you the short version, I would Joe would not come to church. He had physical problems, plus he was a grouchy old man. Plus, we didn't have a regular church building. So Who's going to go to the boys' club, to church? So I would go to the house, and I would make an appointment to go see Joe. And you know what? Joe was, he was a handful. And so I went to his house. I would witnessed to him. And as time went by, Joe got saved. This is a true story. It's not out of a book. And he got baptized. I don't think his wife would do that because he had physical, legitimate physical problems. <clears throat> and he was a big man. He's bigger. He was bigger than me. I mean, I'm not that big, but he was bigger than I was. And the old boy got baptized and genuine salvation, he started tithing on a social security check. <laughs> That's real salvation. Remember when Zacchaeus got saved? He said, Lord, if I rip these people off, I'm going to pay them back. Good sign of salvation. <clears throat> what I'm saying is, I could think of people in my family who my family thought they would not get saved. They never said the words, because I would shoot them down. Oh, Grandma would never get saved. I had one grandma. She was a hard nose. She's dead, by the way. Well, both of them are dead. And she was a hard nose. And then she was very standoffish type person. Even to her grandkids. We hardly ever went to their house. I think I know why now. She wasn't your typical, oh, let me give you a hug. Grandma loves you. None of that stuff. You're lucky for her to say Hi. And so my family, I think some of my grandma never gets saved. I so, say, well, let's wait. Make a lunch story short, she did. What I'm saying is, there's nobody that you do no, that you know that it's too hard to be saved. It's only in your mind. Now, you can't save them. I didn't save Joe Sheehan. I didn't save Evelyn Jacobs. I didn't save either one. I'm giving you these illustrations just to tell you that this is real stuff. This is real life stuff that really happened. And it can happen to you and your family. So don't say that too hard. God can Remember, it's God that saves him, not you. The problem is we try to save him. I've done that to people, haven't you? Oh, this person really needs to be saved, and I love him. I want him to be saved. We don't mean to, but we try to save him. It don't work. He has to save him. But he saves people in answer to our prayer. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about limiting God. I think of the example in the New Testament, which I ain't going to give it for sake of time. Because I want to finish this lesson because I hate carryover stuff. Although this is a series, we're going go to go into something else next week. Maybe I will tell the story. Remember the story of the paralytic in the Gospels where this man couldn't walk and four people took him to Jesus and put a roll put a hole in the roof so they could lure him down to Jesus. Now I'm reading between the lines a little bit. <clears throat> this is human nature deal. I wonder if his neighbors said, Oh, our neighbor over here is sick. He can't walk. If we get him to Jesus, he can take care of him. And maybe they heard about the miracles he did. I don't know. And again I'm reading between the lines. <clears throat> So they decided, you know what, we're going to do it. The Bible did say there was four of them, and they carried this man to where Jesus was. Now, knowing human nature like I do and you do, there had to be, out of that four, there had to be one or two people that said, well, should we really be doing this? And the other one said, yes, the Peter type attitude, you know. Yeah, we're going for it! And I am sure people are people. What would you do if you saw four guys carry a crippled guy down the streets of Canton? You'd say, are those people lunatic? And I'm sure it wasn't an everyday occurrence. So they're carrying this man to Jesus. They knew where they were going. They knew who could help him. They couldn't do it. But if we just give him to Jesus, he can take care of him. And maybe as they went along again, there was a little bit of grumbling. What are these guys? kind of fat he's kind of heavy I'm getting tired of carrying this guy I'm surmising so they, so they get to where Jesus was and there was such a crowd they couldn't get to him so you know what well we've done our best let's turn around and go home. we tried we couldn't make it did one of them say it the Bible doesn't say that I'm saying that there's always one negative person in the Baptist church <clears throat> maybe more even though it wasn't a church. And the one guy again said, you know what, we're going for it. We're going for the gold. We're going up to the roof of this house. And remember, the roofs of the house in those days were not like ours. It wasn't shingles and 2 and, and and plywood. It was, it was different. And so we're going to take him up there. Well, I don't know if it's going to work after all. Let's do it. So they did. Then they lifted the man down to Jesus. They couldn't really give it. They lifted him down to Jesus. And you know the story that Jesus looked up at these men who were letting their friend down to prepare them for him. And the Bible says he looked up and when he, Jesus, saw their faith, not his, but theirs, he looked down at the men and said, Son, thy sins be forgiven in Mark chapter 2 and verse 5. <clears throat> so sometimes our faith is involved. These men had the faith. They took him to Jesus. Jesus took care of him. You know what the pe- problem people have? we got to get them to Jesus. Now, in their case, it was physical. We need to get them to Jesus. We need, he can solve their problems. He can meet their needs. He can save their soul. <laughs> he can take care of any problem better than you or me. He's the one that does it. But we got to get him to him, so we got to open our open our little mouth and talk about him and tell him. We might have to take some action. We might have to bring him to church. <clears throat> we might have to pray for him. We might have to give him a gospel track. We might have to pray that God would save them. We're talking about prayer. It's a wonderful thing when you pray for somebody to be saved and they are saved. We realize we don't save people, but it sure be a good little blessing. When somebody you pray for or you hear of them getting saved, whether you lend them to the Lord or not, it's a good little blessing, isn't it? You kind of rejoice. Oh, this is great. Praise the Lord. I'm happy about this. So let me ask you this question in closing. Actually, I got two questions for you to think for yourself this morning. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about is there anything too hard for the Lord in prayer? Is there someone you think is too hard to be saved? Remember the Apostle Paul. Is there a problem or situation that you think is impossible? Could be. So we need to remember what I said at the very, very beginning, that no promise is too hard for God to fulfill, no promise too hard for God to solve. There's no place where God can't send to revival, and there's no person too hard for God to save. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. Father, the challenges in this matter of prayer, I pray that you would bless people in our class today and who are listening, who honestly have some difficulties, and I'm sure many do, and situations that to them seem impossible. I pray these few thoughts from your word and from you would be helpful to them. I cannot help them, but Lord, you can. Maybe it's someone in front of me needs to be saved. Maybe it's some situation they're facing. Lord, you know the hearts and needs of people far better than I do. Help us to be challenged today as we continue to think about prayer, to be a person of prayer, a genuine person of prayer, and to increase, not decrease. in This year, 2021, speak to every heart. Maybe someone needs to pray the prayer of salvation. Speak to their heart, we pray in Jesus' name with our heads bowed, nice, close the penis and begin to play for just a moment. <clears throat> maybe God's challenged you about stepping up your prayer life, quantity and quality, or maybe you've been encouraged for something you've been praying about that you kind of got discouraged about and you quit praying about it. Don't quit. Don't quit praying for that guy to be saved. <clears throat> Don't quit until God directs